0: You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast.
1: I would get up and get on a trail before uh, sunrise most of the days. And so I would start hiking under a light. I, I not only did that to get ahead, I would try to get... I would have 10 miles in before noon. I wanted 10 miles done by noon. Mm-hmm. So I needed to start, you know, in the winter, you don't know, have it much daylight, so you have to start in the dark. It turns out that about... starting to get daylight that's the best time to see animals and of course raccoons possums bobcats uh, deer it's just all very active at that time alligators but i did never see a bear i saw a lot of evidence of bears droppings Huge, by a matter of fact, <laughs> I saw a lot of footprints I saw a lot of panzer footprints mm-hmm. but I never saw a live panther or a bear.
0: That was Dale Greybeard Sanders and I'm Misty Ridley Little. Graybeard has been making a name for himself over the last several years, first paddling the Mississippi River from source to sea at 80 years old in 80 days to raise awareness for juvenile diabetes. At 81 years old, he also completed in record time a paddle across the state of Missouri from Kansas City, Kansas to St. Louis on the MR340 human powered craft with his teammates. That was in 81 hours at 81 years old. At 82 years old in 2017, Greybeard completed a through hike off the Appalachian Trail, garnering him widespread recognition and the age record for the trail. And just a few months ago at 83 years old, he completed the Florida Trail. I caught glimpses of his hike via Instagram as he was going along other hikers or trail angels would encounter him but it wasn't until after his hike that i knew much about his story several people had expressed interest in having him on the podcast and i have to thank my last guest pace car for being the middleman and connecting me with graybeard as i am not on facebook and that was graybeard's primary method of contact we made the connection and we were finally able to sit down and talk for about an hour one evening a few notes one is audio for this episode and to be able to connect with Greybeard, I had to use FaceTime. And as far as I could find out, there is not an easy way to record onto my phone. So I held my phone up to my podcasting mic while he was on the speaker and we connected that way. So because of that I turned my recording volume way up high and my voice is recorded very loudly. I did some audio finagling and hopefully your eardoms won't be blasted out, but you may want to adjust your volume down a little bit for this episode. Second, there's a few times he mixes up the Florida National Scenic Trail and the Eastern Continental Trail. So, just to clarify, the Florida Trail has a southern terminus in Big Cypress and the northern terminus at either Fort Pickens or the Alabama border. And the ECT begins in Key West and uses the Florida Overseas Heritage Trail and some roadwalks to connect to the Florida Trail in Big Cypress. And of course includes the various Alabama roadwalks and other connecting trails like the Penhoti and the Benton Mackay to connect the AT and then of course later the International Appalachian Trail. We had a great conversation that spanned a bit of his background in his adventureful life and dove into various aspects of the FT and AT through hikes as well. I can only hope that when I'm in my 80s, I still get the energy and fitness ability to continue hiking and exploring. And I suspect most of y'all do too. Links to where you can find Greybeard online and follow his adventures are at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a guest or be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at orangeblazepodcast at gmail.com and find me on Instagram at orangeblazepodcast. If you haven't left a five-star rating or review on iTunes, I'd greatly appreciate if you took a few minutes to do that. It would definitely help the podcast be recognized among the, all the other hiking podcasts out there, and I would love to get more ears on this podcast. So take a few minutes. I would greatly appreciate it, and I pre-thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, enjoy the episode.
2: Uh, yeah, so like I was saying, I uh, I didn't get to follow your journey as you were going through, I just saw bits and pieces of what people were resharing on Instagram. So, um, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight is probably going to be news to me, but I, which, is, which is great for me. I like hearing things um, a little bit uh, on the back end that I don't know the whole story. But um, You actually have a pretty uh, big reputation already <laughs> in the outdoor world because you've uh, you paddled the Mississippi River and you've already through right the Appalachian Trail, but how did you get involved in being uh, this outdoor lifestyle? Have you always been in, uh, interested in being outdoors? Uh,
1: yeah, I uh, grew up on a tobacco farm in uh, in Southwest Kentucky, and uh, our farm was kind of circled on three sides by the river, and uh, and it had a forest, you know, along between, the, between our fields and the. Uh, the river mm-hmm. there was a forest and I spent most of my time in the forest and the river <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> even in my into, into my teenage years I I was hunting and fishing and I ended up working as a lifeguard on a summer camp uh, and so I just sort of got in into the uh, aquatic world and the hiking and the boating world at a real early age I became became a canoe instructor at uh, in 1954 I think I was like 17 years old. who was a canoe instructor already. Yeah. Um, uh, after, the, after the tobacco farm, after high school, I hitchhiked to California and uh, I didn't want anything else to do with the tobacco farm. Don't no want, I'm allergic to smoke and I didn't figure it out until midlife, but it just really tears me up when I, I'm around smoke. Well, the type of tobacco that we raised in Kentucky was, you have to get in a barn, it's you have to smoke it mm. with fire underneath it, and it just—it's terrible. So I—he's to California. Worked at Disney for a while. Oh wow! I <laughs> got homesick. Went back. Went back home. Stayed around uh, the farm there a little while and finally Just joined the navy and went to the west coast and pretty much stayed on the west coast and the Pacific, uh, South uh, South Pacific, uh, the next forty years.
2: Okay. Oh, so you so you were to stay in California and then and. Uh... And when did you come back to the Eastern United States?
1: Well, I uh, I, I went, on, went to three colleges in California, and I uh, went into Parks and Recreation. And from Parks and Recreation, they hired, Navy hired me back as a civil service employee to go back and do the same thing I was doing. I was on active duty, basically. Okay. And that's special it was called Special Services in those days. Yeah. Now it's called MWR, which is Parks and Recreation. Okay. Okay. For the city, and. Uh, when the Navy hired me back, um, I went to Washington, D.C. spent four years, and uh, back, I went out to the Philippines, got a job as MWR director out in Subic Bay in the Philippines, and stayed out there eleven years, and came back to California, and uh, and then I went to uh, what's the Navy? Still with the Navy. Total thirty-seven years. I went to Italy and spent a couple of years, and back to Tennessee where we had a naval air station. You, can you believe that? Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, that was my last uh, civil service assignment. Was at the naval air station here in in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, my wife just didn't want to leave. Uh, she'd made so many friends. We're supposed to retire in Florida. It, it didn't happen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, I mean, that sounds like a a nice traveling life. I mean, it's time in the South Pacific, and Italy, and California. So you you got to see a lot. That's awesome. So. Uh, now, was the Mississippi River the first like big adventure you did?
1: Yeah, the um, it was the first big long multi-month adventure that I've done. I I uh, was in competitive spearfishing for for many years in the late fifties and the early sixties, and uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I was a national champion of the United States, and I was uh, cited and won the very uh prestigious uh, athlete of the year award in spearfishing for it's a world what's a worldwide oh, wow. level award and there's only one given each year uh, and I, I was in 1965 i was cited as a athlete of the year in spearfishing
2: oh yeah, awesome and i've been competitive my whole life and I, I,
1: in uh, high school i got into acrobatics and I've been doing weightlifting, and I even to some Mr. Kentucky contest and took third
2: place. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the Mississippi River, and that just really kind of. And how how old were you when you did that?
1: I I I I was 80 years old when I paddled the Mississippi River, and I did it in 80 days, by the way. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. Uh, All right. And then you just kind of that like, was, from then on out, you were like, let's go do this, do some more stuff.
1: Well, I I knew that setting the age record for the Mississippi River was going to be a big deal. I also knew that I, I had selected uh, juvenile diabetes because my grandniece is, is type 1 diabetic. Uh, I, I, I raised money for type 1 diabetes and... It was very successful, the fundraiser was. I just knew that was going to be, the Mississippi was going to be really a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do it right. We made a documentary film and it's, it's, it has won in the Sporting World. Uh, what do you call them? Uh,
2: like movie festival?
1: Uh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's won a Best Picture, a couple of Best Picture awards and it's, it's just really good. So I got so much publicity and so much. Success and just really, really, it just the Mississippi River just sort of opened new doors for me because of all those things I just mentioned, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just, I just got not stop. I must to to do something else. So I just kept thinking of what, what to do. So, the Appalachian Trail, you know, that's I'm not really a hiker, although I've done a lot of hiking in the last fifteen years in Utah and the Grand Canyon. I've done a, like a rim to rim and hiking and. Butte Canyon in Utah and the the Wave in Utah and lot, so I just said why don't I just try to do the Appalachian Trail because no one at 82 years old ever, not even 77 was the old age age record before right. I and so I I took off on the Appalachian Trail and very difficult but ten months later I had the record.
2: Good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did, uh, how, on the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail, did, uh, you were hiking by yourself or did you have any companions with you?
1: I technically hiked
2: by myself. Okay.
1: But I, now, people that start on the Appalachian Trail by, and Florida Trail mm-hmm.
2: by themselves
1: don't stay. They right. usually get together in groups. Right. So, I, I, I got together with some groups and sort of, uh, Hiked with them the first half, much as I could, camping and trying to move my van. But the second half is where I really learned how to hike.
2: <laughs> you know
1: what I did? Right. I figured out how to move my van every day, and uh, and I had a great place to sleep. I had wonderful food. I, I couldn't I couldn't stop losing weight the first half on the AT. Mhm. And I got down to, like, 130, and I was still losing muscle mass because I couldn't eat enough calories. Yeah. Uh, So I said, I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to get rid of some weight, and I'm going to have to figure out a way to eat better. So with what we call the trachee program, TKP Mm -hmm. program, Uh, if you find someone else that has another, you can do it with one one person, but if you find someone else that has a... um, a vehicle. that's hiking. Mm-hmm. Hey, one, you just each of you in the morning, you just start at different ends of where you want to hike that day, and you pat, you walk, and you pass in the middle of the trail. You have lunch together. You trade your keys, so because you, you're hiking through your own vehicle. Okay. So when I get when I would reach the other end, end of the day, I would be at my vehicle with a bed, with a good bed, <laughs> and uh, plenty of great food, and also we're out in the neighborhood, seeing the neighborhood, and we're passing gas stations and restaurants, so we can eat pretty decent. Right. Uh, but I never, I never had to go to a motel or hotel that way. A lot of the hikers go to a lot of motels. Yeah. Yeah. I never had to. Right. So, the second half, I stabilized, and didn't lose any more weight, and became much more happy on the Appalachian Trail. That, that trail is a very, very difficult for any age. Yeah. Of course, you do know that if there's five people sitting at a table, you could go up there and you could say to those five people, only one of you will make, will make it.
2: Right,
1: that right. only one in five finished the AT that started.
2: Yes, yes. No, I hiked in, in 2010, and you're right. It is it is a very difficult trail, and even people who are very experienced on other long-distance ta- trails always say, like, the AT is it's a hard trail, even though it's the most popular. It's a hard one, so.
1: Yes, you, what year did you hike it? Uh,
2: 2010.
1: Oh, that was fantastic. Two thousand ten and and you started at uh did you
2: know? Yeah, we started in spring it? yeah, we went started from Springer and went to Katahdin, Um I hiked with my husband and uh it was our first he was with you or you met him on the trail? No, he was with me. We yeah, we'd been married for six years by then and yeah, we hiked the trail and we're still married. We made it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great. Did you hike straight through? I did a flip flop.
2: No, we hiked straight through. I think I feel like we came at the tail end of, like, right before social media came on board and before, like, it's gotten really more crowded now. So we didn't need to do the flip-flopping. That wasn't really a popular thing uh, quite yet. But, yeah, we did straight through.
1: The, uh, the social media, by the way, has become popular by the time I paddled the Mississippi River and uh, at uh, 80, 80 years old. Four years ago now. Um, and that I contribute social media primarily as the single most important thing that's happened to me in spreading the word of what I'm doing.
2: Oh, well, I I absolutely agree with that. I do agree with that. It's got it's got its yeah. great points. I mean and, and what you what you're doing is is the great point of it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you did the Appalachian Trail and then were you, how did you decide you wanted to go down to Florida? Uh, was it because you wanted to retire to Florida, Florida that one time, or was it just Well, like yeah, in-
1: I wanted to retire in Florida really badly, but my wife had other plans, as we mentioned earlier. So I'm retired here in Memphis, Tennessee area, and uh, I, 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 I kept trying to figure out what I was going to do in 2019. Enough that it would, you know, be close to the Appalachian Trail experience anyway. So I, I just looked. I looked at probably a hundred different things that I could do, and finally settled on the Florida Trail. And one of the reasons I decided to hike the Florida Trail is because there's really two trails there. There's the Florida Trail and the Florida National Scenic Trail. The Florida Trail starts in the uh, Everglades national uh, Yeah, in big right next to the National Park. Mm-hmm. And where the Scenic Trail, Florida Scenic Trail starts at Key West. So uh, I went uh, went ahead and selected Florida and it was also a, a Trail that I could hike in the winter, so I could spend my spring and summer at home. I've I, I been home in the summer I've been always doing something. In 1980, I was on the Mississippi River, and in 81, I was doing the. Uh, at 81, I was doing the uh, MR 340. That's a paddle in Missouri, and then the Appalachian Trail in 82, and now here I'm going away another summer. So, uh, the biggest factor, I guess, about like Florida trail was the fact that I can hike it in the winter, and it was a, it was a very challenging trail. It uh, actually a lot of the hikers that hike in the mountains go and hike on the Florida trail. They, some of them don't make it. Yeah, it's just I know. Simply, uh, it's, it's just too hot, too difficult, and it's, the swamps are not easy to hike in. It you would think Florida is yeah, Florida is level. And, Great uh, trails, but let me tell you, there's some difficult uh, sections on the Florida Trail, and it, it's it's kind of like it's a series of. Parks and things that runs through for parks and national forests and wilderness areas, and uh, it goes from one to another. But sometimes you have to get out on the, road, the roadways and actually hike alongside the highway uh, to get to the next uh, next forest or the next swamp. But it's really, really a very rewarding experience. I, that one, the thing that I that was most difficult for me was there wasn't many people on the. Florida Trail where on the Appalachian Trail you can see you'll see oh my gosh 10 or 15 new people every day it's just so crowded but I got used to it so much on the Appalachian Trails because I got to, I was pretty well known and uh, people you know start walking up toward me and they would say hi Greybeard you know and that became you know that was kind of nice to hear that uh, but I didn't I didn't have much of that I can hike for sometimes weeks without seeing another hiker on the Florida Trail. Only about 20 to 30 a year completed. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's really unfortunate that more people aren't hiking the Florida Trail or the Florida National Scenic Trail. Uh, which I, I started, of course, you know, in Key West because of the Florida National Sea Trail. I didn't uh, uh, hike, to, I'd already hiked 200 miles by the time I got to the southern terminus of the Florida Trail, for instance. Right. But people can do the Florida Trail, it's 1,100 miles, you can do it in a little less than three months, and it's a really rewarding experience. Yes. Um,
2: um, I would want to talk about the keys a little bit. I think you walked across the 7 Mile Bridge at night time, which I thought was a good timing, and I've never seen anybody do that. Uh, how did that work out for you?
1: Oh, I 100% recommend that. I, 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 I would never pass up and the, the 7 Mile Bridge and not hike because it it's a great experience. If you leave like at 3 in the morning, it's cool. There were so few cars that I could I could see one coming, it was a dark night, the moon wasn't out, and I could see one coming and uh, I could cross to the other side so that I, I was always out of, the tra- out of the traffic. I never had a vehicle the whole way across the seven mile bridge pass me on the same side that I was on.
2: Oh, that's nice. Very nice. So you don't have to worry about getting hit. That's that's very good.
1: <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, I I totally recommend to anybody that's hiking the Heritage Trail, which is from Key West to Key Largo. Uh, I totally recommend that they hike that bridge, the Seven Mile Bridge, and don't skip it. Start like at
2: three or four in the morning. Awesome, awesome. Uh, now, were you you said you mentioned on the Appalachian Trail you had worked out to get you know, another hiker and switching the car and the van sort of situation. Did you end up yeah, doing this on the Florida family. Trail? Did you do this on the Florida Trail as well?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, and ironically, it worked out pretty much the same as the AT. The second half, I was able to do that, like on the AT. But it just it just took, I was already uh, at uh, Lake, Lake
2: Butler. Oh, okay. Which is about, which is considered the halfway town. Mm-hmm on the Florida Trail.
1: I was already halfway on the Florida Trail before I was able to get a team with me. And we did it with one vehicle. They oh. didn't have a vehicle, but we just did it with one vehicle. It's, it's a little more driving involved, but but it still works. You, you're at the vehicle, you camp together at nights, just like we would if we had two vehicles. We have plenty of food to eat, and good place to sleep, and we, we camp at the trail hitch.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, well, I, I asked that because I wondered how you got around through the Keys, if you had to, if you tried to stay in hotels, or if you stealth camped any places, or how that worked for you? We stealth camped
1: pretty much at the trailheads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, with what, but when I started taking the van with me on a daily basis, I just sleep, I have a wonderful bed in my van, conversion.
2: Mm-hmm. So I just uh, slept in a van okay but but the other folks that were, were hiking with me uh,
1: and helping me move the vehicle mm-hmm. they would stay with stealth camp pretty much at, at, at the trailheads and the parking areas that service the florida trail or the appalachian trail same thing they pretty much let you stay there because it's uh, we we're always ready if, if anybody ever asks why are you camping here well we're we're hikers we're through hikers uh we were ready to tell them yeah. nobody ever asked yeah yeah but i was i was just gonna say i'm a through hiker and i'm the, I, I always left before daylight and every morning uh, i'm an early riser and i say i'm getting up early in the morning and taking off and this is the best place for me to leave the vehicle and i'm ready to hike out here in a couple of hours
2: <laughs> right right
1: <laughs>
2: um something else i noticed on your facebook page you look at like you hiked the section of uh, the Florida Trail that used to be the southern terminus uh, at Loop Road, and so it's yeah. like the eight-mile section. I love that you hiked that because no one does it anymore. So um, you, you hiked that though, didn't you? Yeah, I did hike that in 2011. I was really excited. So when I saw that you did that, I was like, yes, he hiked that. Did you enjoy that section, or was it just like a good preparation for all the rest of the swamp?
1: It was an enjoyable because. I, it was enjoyable because it wasn't marked very well, so we're having to pretty much blaze our own way through, and we we had some tape with us, and we put some tape in the tree so we could get back. But we just, actually, I was hiking through that with John Johnson, and he sort of blazed it ahead of time for me, and he was my leader through that and we made it through it. So it was a real good experience. I'm, I'm really glad I did it. Of course, I had to do it because the East the the, the Florida National Cedar Trail goes goes through
0: there right
1: right uh, the florida trail itself though, starts now at the oasis yeah. the reason i hesitated a moment ago is because i still haven't told you the really the straw that really uh, really the thing that really uh, made me decide final decision on hiking the florida trail i haven't told you that yet and the reason i really just said that's it. Florida Trail is my next adventure. is because of the Eastern Continental Trail. Mm-hmm. And many people don't even know that exists. It starts at Key West. It uses the Heritage Trail, the Florida Trail, and five other trails.
2: Mm-hmm. Four
1: other trails. Well, if you count the Alabama road work, it's five additional trails. And ends up at the Gulf of St. Lawrence in Canada, 5,000 miles. And it's only a handful of people each year that complete that. And if I can if I can, uh, complete it, it'll be a section hike. Yeah. It will not be a through hike. But if I can complete that section hike in 2020, the, the remaining trail, which is the International Appalachian Trail, I will hold another world record. I just, I just... <laughs> I just broke two world records on the Florida Trail. Of course, I, I'll now, I'm the oldest person to ever hike the Florida Trail, as well as the uh, uh, oldest person to ever hike the Florida National Scenic Trail. So,
2: awesome. Awesome.
1: Uh, I'd kind of like you to get, uh, get another world record. Yes.
2: <laughs> You're <just laughs> some more notches in your belt. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, I still have to go down to Alabama this fall and hike the Springer Mountain mm-hmm. before the Gets too cold this winter, but I'm home now and enjoying the spring, and I'm going to enjoy the summer at home. Yeah. And take off mid September, mid mid to late September. I'll start back at the Alabama border where I stopped uh, on the twenty seventh of March, Um, and and go to uh, to Springer, and then twenty twenty. My plans are to start at Mount Katahdin and go that final six or seven hundred miles.
2: Wow, awesome. <laughs> um, so on the Florida Trail, uh, how many miles a day were you putting in?
1: Wow, I, uh, I averaged about right at 15 miles per day on the Abolition Trail. But on the Florida Trail, I was able to average a little bit more than 16, 16 and a half, 16.6. 16. 16.
2: Okay, and um, I guess maybe we're we'll to talk about trail life a little bit because, you know, you said the first half you were kind of... You didn't have your van, but the second half you did. Um, So were you, you know, hiking? Did you have anybody else you were hiking with? Or did you just, like, did you start with anybody else? Or were you just encountering different hikers along the way?
1: I pretty much hiked alone. Uh, Sometimes I would see people. But what I was trying to do was move the van with me. Well, sometimes I would have to hike for, like, four or five days and then get get a trail angel or commercial shuttle service or whatever I could get, sometimes even hitchhike back to my van or, or I would take my van up before I would hike. I, I, I tried so many different things to keep that van moving with me, but I wasn't able to stay with it enough. I still had to carry my heavy backpack, but a heavy backpack, to me, is now twenty three pounds. I'm really uh, that's including food and water. Twenty three pounds. Okay. So, so but at, when you get eighty three years old and you're trying to hike 15 20 miles a day, a twenty three pound backpack is pretty heavy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we can touch on that a little bit. You know, um, about the health aspect and and keeping up uh, in shape. I mean. You know, 83 years old, or 84 years old, and most people that age are like, you're doing what? I don't know about that. I can't even get off the couch. <laughs> um, yeah. so, I mean, what do you do Do you, in the, in the off-season to keep yourself, you know, in shape? Are you, I mean, you. I know you do a lot of paddling, but are you doing any other stretching, or any, you just, look. Like, are you just blessed to have good health, is, is what I'm asking.
1: Uh... I've always been very active my whole life. I've had pretty decent health. I still have good health. And today for instance, you know what I've been doing most of the day? I've been splitting firewood. We heat the the house with a wood furnace fireplace. And I've been splitting splitting logs. And some of those logs are really heavy. But that's what I've been doing. And also I did some groundwork today on building a garage and I'm doing, Not the garage. We decided to put a barn in, but we're putting a barn in, and I've been working on that. So I stay really intentionally very active physically when I'm not on the trail, so I can save a little bit of that conditioning, so I don't have to recondition for every time I hike. I'm going to be going to Alabama because I'm right now just entered Alabama on the 27th. march so i'm going to be going down in may and probably again in june and probably again in july to hike a week just one week out of the month and try to stay in shape that way i'm trying to get the alabama road work done before the last week of september the last week in september is when i want to get on i want to get on the uh Penho- trail mm-hmm. and uh take off uh, through alabama and to in into the foothills of the Smokies. And then I think I have to end up on the, uh, something, penton Mac Oh, the Pinton up. McKay train? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the one that I'll end up having to actually finish on to get to Springer Mountain. And if I can make it to Springer Mountain before Christmas this year, I'll be happy.
2: Yeah. Well, no, it sounds like you, you have a great, uh, I guess plan and and uh I guess mind and body work ethic to keep yourself engaged and um have you had a lot of other people uh in your age group like be inspired to trickle hiking or to go paddling and get outdoors more or um I mean have you been able to engage
1: anybody else in this? Uh yes and yes and yes to everything. What? When I, I didn't realize this, but when I paddled the Mississippi River and even more pronounced when I hiked the Appalachian Trail, I became like uh, an icon. Uh, I hike uh, age figure for a lot of older people that hike and boat. So that, that, because they started following me, I have thousands of followers, and they... Uh, many of them has have really become active simply because they're following and, and seeing this old 83-year-old do it. I can do it, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been really, really inspired and really happy about that because I, I, I'm i able to use that, too, in, in motivational speeches that I do and say, hey, you know, if I can do it, you can do it, too. And as a matter of fact, I've been asked... Uh, Many many times I'm asked, "What? How do you stay physically in shape? How do you do it? How can you get out there and hike these trails that even a 20-year-old has difficult hiking?" I tell them it's basically it's a lifestyle, but but there are things that you can do. Don't even, no matter what your lifestyle is, if you're relatively healthy and you don't have disease now, you want to ward off disease, you want to stay healthy, you need to find how to be happy. I'm telling you right now, happiness is the most important thing, keeps that adrenaline flowing. Yes. And no one can tell any other person what the formula is to be happy. People have to find that themselves. They just got to get out there and find the formula and, and be happy. Nice. And the three things I want to talk about, happiness is the first, and the second thing is if you really want to be happy, I feel, Now, some of you may not agree with me, but I feel a spiritual life, I'm a Christian, and I feel a good quality Christian life I, is really key to true happiness. Mm-hmm. And it just the adrenaline just flows even more, and I I, I just can't kind of believe it. Adrenaline flow. I keep mentioning that adrenaline because <laughs> if that's flowing through the body, I think it's hard for diseases to catch on and become a problem. I, I, when I say uh, spiritual life, I don't mean extremes on either end. You don't have to do that. People go. It doesn't. is it just just not necessary to be happy and have a quality of life and have extreme faith based uh, religion. Right. Um, that's my feeling. And uh, the third thing is and probably the most important one is active, staying active. I'm telling you, you cannot become a couch potato and live a quality senior's life. It's just not going to happen. You have to get out, you have to exercise. I'm I the gym. i not knocking the gym, the gym is okay, but it's not the true answer. The true answer is to get out into nature, into the rivers, mountains, or whatever, even bicycle, roller, sk- whatever you wanna do, yeah. but something to get you really active in the natural world. And if you do those three things, I think you've got the best chance of staying healthy for a long time. Yeah. Staying, staying not only healthy but happy at the same time. Yeah. Notice I didn't mention food. <laughs> food is important, yes. But it cannot, no way in my mind can it be the top in the top three. I'm not even sure it's the top four. But, because food, if you eat a good, good quality variety of food, which I think variety is the key to it, a variety of foods and you don't overindulge, then the body is pretty much getting what it needs. I do take a -a one-a-day multiple vitamin. I think that that helps me quite a bit. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But uh, I, I I would tell people to eat small amounts of a great variety of food don't overdo it and don't become to to a point where you have to limit your intake to just simply vegetables or whatever. In other words, meat is a really important part of the diet in my way of thinking. Right. Right.
2: Um, Yeah, and I, I, I appreciate all of that, and I think the big aspect of that, especially in my view like keeping your mind active is also a way of of aging well and and not uh and not uh, losing all of those your, your mental capacities and and just and and also keeping yourself yeah. active so
1: well keeping the mind active is, is high on the list too because of what the trails do or, or paddling a river uh, is it keeps your mind it's clear it's just you're out in nature and there's not a lot of things disturbing you and you're constantly planning on your what you're gonna do where you're gonna sleep that night and it's just a lot of thought patterns get really active and and just the planning stages alone I think that really helps you keep your mind active
0: right right
1: and of course you you have to keep your mind active like on a Florida trail you're watching for bears you're watching for uh, panthers, and you're watching for snakes, and you're watching for alligators. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I almost stepped on an alligator, did I tell you that?
2: No, you, where was that at?
1: Oh, my gracious. That was in, uh, if you remember, uh, the uh, Rice Creek area? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the trail, as you know, goes alongside Rice Creek there for quite a spell. And it was no, I was the only one in the hole that day that section and no one else, no other hiker in there and it was sunny that day and I was looking at the trail and I and looking around everywhere and not paying too much attention the trail was well maintained that when it wasn't the a swamp there in other words and it was sunny and I was walking along the river and I saw this log ahead of me across the trail I didn't pay much attention to it until I got right at it put my pole down to step over it and guess what it was an A sleeping alligator, didn't know I was in the area, and about the same time I saw the alligator, it saw me, it took off one way fast, away from me, into the water, and I, I tell you what, I learned how to run backwards, yeah. I guarantee you that, I ran backwards, that scared the dickens out of me.
2: Oh, my. It would do that to me, too. And it, that and some, uh, we snuck up on a uh, eastern diamondback rattlesnake in Big Cypress, and that made me jump about five oh feet backwards. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, you bet. I saw the biggest water moccasin. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought it was an eastern diamondback. It was so big. Uh, but uh, it was huge. But I only saw two uh, eastern diamondbacks. And they were both dead, oh, unfortunately. That's a bummer. Unfortunately, hit by vehicles. Yeah, but they were, you know, big. Like big around as a grapefruit. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not small
2: snakes. No, they're not. Um, what other cool wildlife did you encounter on the Florida Trail?
1: Uh, I, of course, getting if I, I I would get up and get on the trail before uh, sunrise most of the days. And so I would start hiking under a light. I I not only did that to get ahead, I would try to get, I would have 10 miles in before noon. I wanted 10 miles done by noon. Mm -hmm. So I needed to start, you know, in the winter, you don't have much daylight, so you have to start in the dark. It turns out that about, when it's starting to get daylight, that's the best time to see animals. And of course, raccoons, possums, bobcats, uh, deer, it's just all very active at that time, alligators, but I did never see a bear. I saw a lot of evidence of bears, droppings, huge by a matter of fact, <laughs> I saw a lot of footprints, and I saw a lot of panther footprints, mm-hmm. but I never saw a live panther or a bear. I'll tell you what I did see, I thought I saw I was sleeping on the dike one time down just near the Cherokee Indian Reservation over there in one of the areas where nobody was within 30 miles of me. That night I was—I swore there were panthers outside because the workman earlier in the day had said a mother with some cubs had just been in that area. So I, I'm laying there and there's panthers outside. panthers outside. Oh my gosh. Finally <laughs> I, I braved it to unzip a little bit of my tent and looked out. The panther that I thought was a family of raccoons.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Those raccoons can be noisy, though. And I, I got scared by vocals. Yeah, they
1: can be really, really rattly. They, they make a lot of noise.
2: Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> um. Now, the trail community on the Florida Trail, You got. To, I saw you got to go to Billy Goat Day, and you said you got yeah, to meet up with some yeah. trail angels. Um, I guess, maybe talk about, a little bit about the trail community, um, and I guess, you know, anything that you would like to say about that.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Billy Goat Days was really, really important. I actually temporarily skipped a large section so I could hike into Billy Goat Days the day I started, but skipped uh, a, a hundred and Fifty miles, which, by the way, I, immediately after Billy Goat Days, I went down and hiked. But I wanted to—I wanted to hike into into the park on Billy Goat Days, and that was—it was—I think it was like a hundred or ninety—I think it was ninety-eight people or something like that attended. It was really a lot of people there, and I met a lot of trail angels that really helped me a lot later on. I met a lot of met a lot of hikers, uh, and. Uh, that was probably the highlight socially. The highlight on the Florida Trail was definitely Billy Goat Days. Awesome. no question about it. Yeah. Uh, now I didn't. Let me put it this way: uh, tra- Trail magic on the Florida Trail is not like trail magic on the Appalachian
0: Trail. Right. Uh, on the Appalachian Trail, you come into a
1: roadway uh, with a parking area, and you're always looking around to see if you can see some somebody there that's got food, mm-hmm. drinks, trail magic. But on the Florida Trail, you'll only find that one time, and that's at the uh, that's at uh, the visitor center on Highway seventy seventy when you exit the uh, the big cypress. Uh, Swamp area. Oh uh, yeah, because uh, the reason that is because everybody, most of the people start the Florida Trail in early early January, so they do have some traditional trail magic there mm-hmm. at that, that visitor center or rest stop. I guess yes. I should say, uh, but you don't find that anywhere else on the Florida Trail, but you do. You can accumulate a list of contacts mm-hmm. in different areas. And when you get up into the panhandle and you start getting on to doing the road work up there, and there's a lot of road work because of the storm damage, too.
2: Yeah. A
1: lot of the churches nowadays are, are, are actually even, not only are they taking in and feeding the, the hikers, especially the thru-hikers, But even the section hikers but they're even building places where they got place for them to sleep hot showers for them and you go for you can pretty much go from one church to another and have indoors sleeping oh no in the uh in the panhandle area
2: yeah i saw that this year i was really amazed because i i was like I was wishing that was around when we hiked through because that was not an option and we had to find you know creative ways to camp and um, and it was kind of worrisome. But I would have. It's really awesome that the churches are doing that. So I'm I'm very glad.
1: Yeah, the ones the, the, where it is the question is what do you have to get out and hike the, on the roadways? Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost something about the Florida Trail I mentioned earlier too, and I'm not. Not knocking it, but Florida—you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of the culture in Florida because you actually have to get out and walk on the roads, sometimes highways, uh, on the side of the highways, in order to get from one swamp or one national forest or one wo- woods—we yeah. call them—to <laughs> another, and then they, it's the series of connecting trails that way, and and then of course. You pass many churches. Yeah. And uh, they're starting to really get active. And it's just fantastic that they open the doors and have food too. Yeah. That's the best thing. I, I, st- we st- I stayed, and my team, my team stayed at uh, uh, Hillcrest Baptist Church yes. three nights. Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're very generous for letting you guys do that. So, you're with your team, are you calling your wife or keeping up with the spot or how are you keeping in talk- contact with your family?
1: I was able to use the phone to talk with my wife Mary quite a bit, Okay. much more than on the Appalachian Trail because on the Appalachian Trail that service simply was not there. Right. Uh, and I was able to even see the news, I could keep a little bit up to date on the news but I just basically, when I'm hiking, I just sort of cut out the rest of the world. I don't worry about paying the bills or anything. Let her, She's learning how to run the household, and she's running the house while I'm gone.
2: Okay. And I know for me, like, I think my family aspect, when I was on the trail, was probably the hardest thing for me, um, like, in, mentally to keep going on the trail, missing family and missing, you know, life. And... You know the hiking part. You know, of course, you're sore, of course you ache, and you're tired, and all of that. But I think that was the hardest part mentally to keep going. Was thinking about my family. What for you is what has been the hardest part, either on the Florida Trail or Appalachian Trail, in keeping going? Is it is it missing your family? Is it or is it actually you know the physical aspect of it? And and what keeps you going in that aspect and and not quitting? Well,
1: that's a good question. Uh, on the Florida Trail. I physically, I didn't have any problems with it. It was just much easier. The Appalachian Trail is very physically demanding. And uh, I became more depressed on the Appalachian Trail, so to so to speak, yeah. than I did on the Florida Trail. I was able to, even though there was not a lot of hikers around, I was able to uh, keep my morale up on the Florida Trail simply because it was beautiful and yeah. warm. Of the time. <laughs> At nights it gets cold, don't get me wrong, it gets cold in Florida <laughs> in winter, but but it, relatively speaking, it was, considering being on a mountaintop up in New England, it was warm. Uh, so that, those, those things helped me stay mentally in shape. On the Appalachian Trail, it was even more important that I beat the other hikers and have some media attention because that that game that built my spirits up, so I kept mentally uh, fit, so to speak. With the other hikers greeting me and and following me and Facebook and social yeah. media and all, I got so much press coverage out of the Appalachian Trail. It's unbelievable, <laughs> and uh, that really kept me motivated. As a matter of fact, I I, I never thought about quitting. On the Florida Trail, uh, I, I would only quit if, if something were to happen that I had no control over it, mm-hmm. and nothing did, so I didn't quit. I finished it. Yeah. But in the Appalachian Trail, I, I almost thought of quitting almost every day, at least once. Yeah. And what would keep me going would be my family, or be another hiker coming up, as I mentioned earlier, that I'd never seen my life before, would know who I was, or somebody would be waiting for me to interview me at the trailhead, or PBS would do a show, and TV show, like for instance, when I finished, we were in Washington, D.C. the next day, and my wife come running out of Starbucks, and they had one third of the front page of the Metro section in the Washington Post, there was my picture. Oh, wow, <laughs> and that was very. That's very mentally both. That's really up uplifting. You know, to see that people are really taking an interest in what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, that really physically, even though I was going to quit many times, uh, it, was, it was all those people following me. And all I couldn't. I just couldn't quit. Yeah. Now it, the at almost got me physically. It was so, so unbelievably demanding, you know. I just, it, it, it's hard to explain how difficult at 82 years old it is to climb a mountain that that sometimes you actually are not walking, but you're rock climbing, right. as you know. Yeah. But, well, <laughs> I actually, this is hard to talk about without crying, but I I actually uh, almost quit one time on the AT. I packed up everything, and my van that I was trying to move along with me, and I was only, at that point, I was over halfway, but I was still alone, not with other hikers, and I was trying to hire shuttle people to shuttle my van every day. Mm -hmm. It it broke down, uh, and I had to have it towed in and fixed, and. Where I was way out in the middle of nowhere, it took me forever to find a tow driver to go out there. Just a week later, it broke again, going up, going up uh, Kinsman Mountain mm. in Vermont, and I'm, here I am going up, and the band went dead, and I had to let it roll backwards until I could finally get it. Turned around with no brakes to speak of. Mm. I let it coast down to the bottom of the hill to a gas station, and finally got. I couldn't get. It, AAA doesn't really work if there's no AAA dr- yeah. people around, and couldn't find AAA. couldn't Couldn't get me in a tow. I was so discouraged, and had Vermont mountains coming up. On I was hiking south by that time, and. I packed everything up to go home. Mm. And I was just to leave the van up there and just get a bus and go home. But I called my wife, Miriam, I said, do you want me to quit and come home? I'm ready. And she said, "Uh, no, no. You will never be happy. You need to finish that thing. She called it that thing. (laughs) You need to do it, and then you come home. Uh, You see that family support is everything, I'll tell you right now. Family is, if I didn't have the family, my sister did all the work, my my niece did all the Facebook posting for me on, on my Greybeard Adventure Facebook page. My sister, as I say, took care of my Dale Sanders Facebook page, and it's just, there's no way, the trail angels are great. Trail support is great with foreigners, but when you have the family meeting you at Harpers Ferry to paddle, to paddle, to hike the last mile with you, that is really, really, really a significant, the whole, my whole family my whole family was there my sister unfortunately Judy couldn't make it she she was in the hospital mm. but uh, she she got okay after a couple of days later but uh, everybody else was there in my immediate family
2: right yeah that makes everything more special um, knowing that what you're doing even on all the down days it, yeah. it, it makes it better
1: I had 12 zero days on the Florida Trail
2: how many zero? Twelve. Twelve zero days.
1: Yep.
2: And how, how did you end the Florida Trail? You went to the Fort Pickens and then you went to the Alabama border too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I hiked uh, I, I, both of them, yeah, that's right. Uh, my primary objective was to hike from Key West to, to the Alabama border, going up through the Blackwater Trail. Yeah. And that, that, I, I did that first, and I went over and went on and hiked into in Port Pickens as well. I actually missed the that's a, two days in there that I missed, and I that I may go back and hike, but it's not. I don't have to because the Florida Trail considers Alabama border as completing right. the Florida Trail, right. so I don't have to do that. But I did have to hike there because the because the internet the. Florida National Scenic Trail still goes to Alabama. It doesn't go to Fort Pickens. That was created by by Congress, so they can't they can't change that. They have to go to Congress to change it. So the Alabama border still were the northern terminus is for the Florida National Scenic Trail. A lot of right. people don't know that.
2: Right. Um. So. I'm going to talk about um, a few things First, One thing is, who is Rod Wellington, and why are you always doing the little <laughs> victory thing dance? What is that about?
1: Oh, yeah. I like to make fun of myself. But anyway, that's the Rod Wellington victory dance. I get out, and sometimes when something significant happens, like when I reached the Alabama border, I did a Rod Wellington victory dance. Well, I've been, for about the last five years, I've been doing those dances when something significant would happen, uh, it's a crazy stupid thing to just make people laugh at me primarily, <laughs> it's silly. But Rod Wellington started doing those type of things. He's much better at it than I am because his, his dreadlocks come down to his knees. Oh, right. wow! And he's uh he gets out there and he shakes, those, shakes his head and throws those dreadlocks around and he's got a really good dance Dance, but I just sort of coining things that he does and uh, he let me do it let me call it the Rod Wellington Victory Dance <laughs> who he is he's a friend of mine and I've been knowing for about seven years now Canadian adventurer and author that has done uh, he's biked across Canada he's He's paddled the Missouri River. He's paddled the, uh, matter of fact, he was the second human being to ever paddle the Missouri River from Broward Spring to the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, wow. I was his traveling river angel support.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, matter of fact, the first person to ever hide, to ever paddle that uh, Missouri River from source to sea was, uh, only a week ahead of Rod oh, wow. <laughs> and he was an Aust- he was from Australia and Rod was from Canada and it wasn't an American didn't paddle the Missouri River for source to sea until Janet Marlin did it two years after that the female hmm. and it- a male didn't do it for another couple of years And after that I think that was I hmm. can't remember his name but so it's 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 a uh, still a lot of frontiers out there
2: yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i I always got a kick out of you doing that dance it was just so funny and i was like i don't i googled who rod wellington was but i couldn't really i didn't know how you were connected and and how that happened so
1: yeah well he's come through here many times on his adventures he also did the mississippi river and then he is he writes books about his adventures and his last latest book was wet exit it was about uh him going to paddling the Murray River in Australia from its source to to sea and why he really went there to, why he selected the Murray and why he went there to to paddle it. It's uh, wet Exit is a call. It's it's, actually, it was his way of conquering suicidal effects. Mm. he, He talks, he goes into great detail in the book.
2: Okay, I'll check that out. Um, So I guess maybe, do you have any favorite sections of the Florida Trail that you hiked?
1: Yeah! Oh. <laughs> I loved hiking along the Swan River.
2: That's I think that's great. like the number one answer I think I
1: get from people, the Swan River. <laughs> I actually liked Bradwell Bay Swamp. Okay. But, I hated it when I was in there, but now that I have finished it, and I was able to get through there alive, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying i recommend it. <laughs> I, yeah. Did you have any trouble getting
2: through bed while Well, babe? The, we lucked out. There was, that section was closed because they had just done a controlled burn through there, and... Um, so we had called the Forest Service to ask what the water levels were because it was, it was actually kind of chilly. And I was like, it's going to be cold and we're going to be wet. I was just like, I don't look forward to this. And when we called, they're like, oh, actually, that's closed because we just burned that area. Um, so, no, you can't go in. I was like, sounds good to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you didn't have to. Well, the water is pretty high, so we actually had five miles of from waste. From knee deep to waist deep. Yeah. Combination of mud and water.
2: Yeah. I would love to go back for a day or like an overnight hike. I think it would be really fun to do that. And I don't and I usually don't mind getting in swampy stuff. I was just because it was cold, I was not looking forward to being wet and cold. Yeah and, and yeah, like spent January when you went through
1: there. Yeah. So yeah.
2: But yeah. Otherwise great. <laughs> and what about any um uh, was there any other kind of memorable experiences on the Florida Trail? Any uh, you know, bad days, good days, things like that?
1: Uh, I I really enjoyed a little break that I took in uh, at the halfway point on the Flourish Wheel. Uh, I think that little little town there. What's the name of it?
2: Uh, Lake uh, which, was it Lake Butler?
1: Lake Butler, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, it's a very small town, but the trail goes right through the town, right by this, literally within feet of the city hall, and you, and the city lets you camp right there in the downtown. Oh, it's just fantastic area. That was kind of a, I, I like that area as well for support. Well, you know, of course, the Swanee River for hiking, but, but for sport, that really was a significant area. I didn't have any sections that became really, other than the Bradwell Bay, uh, that was really physically so demanding I couldn't do it. Now, I thought when I went into the uh, Rice Creek Swamp area, that through that it was a lot of water in there. I, mm-hmm. I, I really wasn't looking forward to doing that. It turned out not to be very difficult at all.
0: Right, right.
1: right. Sometimes I think the stories get out about places that are supposed to be hard, and they're, they're really not as bad as the stories make out them
2: to be. Right, right. Like, like Pennsylvania is just all totally rocks, but it's Yeah, yeah, it wasn't <laughs>
1: that bad. Yeah, right. There were rocks. Believe me, there's rocks in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But but it's not, that's, it's just, that's just, uh, people overdo it when they talk about rocks in
2: Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and I kind of feel bad because sometimes I think the Florida Trail, you know, a lot of people say just, it's all wet, it's all wet, and it's not all wet, and it's other, no. and this, No, year, it's
1: not all wet. Yeah. That's right. I would hike weeks at a time with dry shoes. Yeah. I, I I'm a fan of uh, the, the, the high-top uh, hiking boots, hiking shoes that come above the ankle, yeah. and I use Gore-Tex and most of the swamps and water and wetlands that I had to go through, the water wasn't deep enough, it went over my ankles, so I, I'm hiking with dry feet Yeah, 90% of the time.
2: Well, I'd like to wrap up a little bit. Um, do you have any advice, or would you recommend, are you will you be recommending the Florida Trail to uh, anybody else you encounter along the way?
1: Oh, absolutely. If, uh, if people want to hike in the winter, I don't know of another option. Yeah. My, the Arizona Trail might be an option, but uh, it's, it, it goes over so many high mountains that that's not really... You gotta, if you hike the Arizona Trail in the winter you're going to get cold
2: yeah yeah
1: and even in Florida you're going to get cold but not freezing cold yeah so yes I would recommend it if it's a great off hiking season destination and I totally recommend that people meet with the Florida Trail Alliance on their annual kickoff first week in January and take off with the you know in the big kickoff and the group yeah it's a group You know, like like something like 25 or 30 people started this year.
2: Yeah.
1: It was so many people they had to to actually start them over a three-day period.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And that's the way to do it, just start with a group and go through the Big Cypress with a group. And I was really lucky going through the Big Cypress. It was dry pretty much.
2: Yeah, yeah, you guys lucked out this year. Usually, it uh, is a little wetter than it normally is, and I think people yeah, got to see. Yeah,
1: this the driest year. I, think, I I just happened to hit it with the driest year ever. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you guys lucked out. I know. I know. I talked to a couple people last week, and they had trouble finding water, which everybody usually, you know, is is there's an overabundance. So they were like, we had trouble finding water to drink. So <laughs> it was not a typical situation. So. Yeah. Well, I know you have. You've already stated a couple of hikes you're going to planning on doing, but where can people follow you? Uh, you have your Facebook group and your website, but um, is there anywhere else people can follow you?
1: Uh, well, the website graybirdadventurer.com, and then I have two Facebook sites. Both of them have links on the website. Okay. One on the contact page and one on the uh, the Appalachian Trail page, and my my. Facebook name is Dale Sanders, and the other one is is Great Bear Adventurer, and uh, so just send me a friend request or either one of those, and you can follow my adventures that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't do uh, Instagram.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, um, do you think you'll be able to still be doing this when
1: you're ninety? Well, if I if I can stay happy and stay have a good spiritual life and stay active and eat
2: the right foods probably will <laughs> Good. <laughs> well thank you for taking time to uh, talk with me about your hike um, I, I think I've learned a lot and um, I I just hope that I am as active as you at your age you know I'm, I'll be 40 here in about a year and I'm already like feeling kind of like starting things break down and I'm like I've got to start getting stay active stay mentally focused and Keep going.
1: Well, I'm I'm sorry for getting so emotional when I was talking about Quentin on the AT, but that one, that was really that, Every time I talk about that, I, I start crying. It's just very difficult.
2: Yeah, no, it's you know I had a I had an emotional time on the Appalachian Trail too, because um, my brother had had a baby and she was in NICU, and so I felt. There's a lot of emotional heartstrings on the on the AT. and I know I know a lot of people who go through long hikes have have emotional times. So <laughs>
1: yeah, and and I lost three relatives while I was on the Florida Trail. Mm. My last uncle died, my last aunt died, and a first cousin died. All in that three months I was on the Florida Trail. Mm. That was that was. That was difficult. I I I totally I had that on my list. I just totally forgot to mention it. But that was a really really hard, especially when the third one died. Now I have no more uncles, no more aunts, and one less first cousin. Yeah. All in a three month period, while I was hiking the Florida Trail.
0: Right.
2: Well, thank you again, and I appreciate talking to you, and uh, I'll be following you online, and I, I wish you the best of luck for your future adventures.
1: Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for selecting me to be on your podcast. Oh, you're
2: welcome.